really tired. I was sleeping before I came here. Yes. Yeah. I laid down on my couch before I came here, and then I yeah. almost didn't come. And then I did. I'm here. Yes. Welcome. Yeah. It happens. I almost didn't come, so yeah. Well, <laughs> let's, well, then let's try to honor all where, all where we yeah. all are, and, like, you know, we won't go a full hour or whatever. We'll no, see how we're just, feeling. Yeah. Um, I think also um, we can just bring the mic to your comfort. Yes, I did. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to lean forward at all. You just... Yeah. I also appreciate that we all took naps today, like all three of us. Did you, What did you do yesterday? Did you nap yesterday? Because it was a fairly rainy... It was disgusting, and I was in every bit of it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, it was a beautiful, wet mess. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm like, you know, it's all state of mind. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was beautiful. I love thunderstorms, so that was exciting. But being in it, on the, on the A train? <laughs> no, no. Mm-mm. to the Dance Union Podcast, where we talk about the talented, talkative, tall, tantalizing, tasty, tenacious, and tenderest world of dance. My name is Jay Bowie. I'm Jay Bowie's hat. <laughs> just, just kidding. I'm Melanie. <laughs> I'm Alicia. And this is the Dance Union. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, how are y'all doing today? Alicia, you should go first. Yeah. I'm tired. Oh. I'm really tired. I'm having a lot of allergies, and I'm overwhelmed by the sound and the vibration of New York. Yes. How are you? In a fog, foggy, foggy, fog-like. Um, everything that is like up is down, and everything that is right is left. Everything just mm-hmm. feels not where they used to be around this time of the year. It's just a lot of change in my life, and the change makes me pull my hands off of, like, wanting to be in control, and that is the first time that's ever happened to me in life. I'm normally, like, stabilized everything. Now I'm just, like, everything's moving too fast. So wherever this being is right now is new, and I'm getting to learn them. I'm hashtag complicated. I will say this without like going into too much detail, and it's that this I'm coming up on the anniversary of my dad's passing, mm-hmm. and I've tried to prepare for it, and there's really no way you can like it just it comes and goes and spurts, and it's pretty interesting the way the body remembers, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's and it's preparing itself, and then it goes through these moments of like. Uh, gripping and and then like I said some moments is fine and but like around this time it really vibrates a lot differently because um, his birthday was the 11th of this month mm-hmm. and then he passed away the 22nd mm-hmm. so like there's this actually like this not vacuum of time but this like mm-hmm. chunk of time that's mm-hmm. like 
Yeah. So this is why I, I scheduled a whole bunch of shit this week so to keep myself distracted. But it really does not matter mm-hmm. because when the body's like, actually, you're going to take this moment and you're yeah. going to take this time, you have to take it. And so that's why I took a personal day today. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I tried to go to this place that I'm not going to name because they didn't give us any funding. But to get... Oh. You know what I mean? Because they're not paying for it, so uh-uh. I'm not going to say their name. No. But I went there to get this delicious lemon loaf that I love so much. And if you go, like, after probably, like, 1030, it's always gone. So I just went in there just to see, like, fingers crossed. Maybe they have it because I really want to eat it. It's yeah. not there. Dang. They didn't have it. I love a lemon loaf. It's so good. Do you like lemon loaf? I don't know what lemon loaf is. Oh, it's like a lemon. It's like... Lemon cake. It reminds me of my mom's pound cake. Because I was gonna say it sounds mm, like it's I more see. like a lemon pound cake. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then it has a really tangy lemon yeah. frosting on top. Yeah. That sounds delicious. Maybe with like a lemon zest. Yes. So I was just like, ooh, I wanna get this so I can go home, eat my cake, and watch Insecure. Nope. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's a lot, but that's what I meant. I wonder if misery loving company isn't such a bad thing. Hmm. In the sense of, like, today I would say this was something like a miserable day. And then I was like, I feel like it was kind of altered and brightened or elevated a bit by having some company. I would say so, yes. So I was going to say, maybe misery-loving company is our bodies being like, the remedy to this is to get around folk that you like. That you like. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I would co-sign that. Okay. Uh, are you ready to uh, hop, skip, and jump? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like every transition is like the opposite. That's cool. Um, yes. But guess what I didn't do today is get that transitionary step. It's fine. So we always have a transition step from one segment to the next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have a transition step you would like to give us? I don't have a transition step. Mm. How would you transition? Like, okay, say you're in a room where you're working on some movement and you want to get from one end to the other. Just like free floating right now, how would you get there? I don't think I'm going anywhere. But if I were making a piece of movement and I were trying, uh, not a piece of movement, if I were making a piece of music and mm-hmm. I were trying to get from one transition to another, I would try inverting the last thing that I just made. Mm. I like Can that. Can we do an inversion? Into, oh, that's kind of of where we're at as well, just being inverted. Yes, that is beautiful. Go inverted. Mm-hmm. Into our next uh, sex- section. Section. Section or that segment. That word doesn't... Sec- section. Into <laughs> our next segment, which is what you may have learned in history class and you may not have. So today I've decided to chit-chat about the wonderful Archer... Damn. Okay, edit that out. Future 100%, 100%. Come on, talk to him. Future J, get that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, Arthur Miller. <laughs> Arthur Mitchell. <laughs> Damn. Okay. This is going in a blooper. Okay. <laughs> so you know. Okay. I love what's happening. <laughs> oh, my God. What is... It's the time of day. It's He's killing me softly. Archer. There's a... There's a both of you, when you checked in about your days, I heard a lot of surrender, a lot of surrender, and like surrendering to like what the moment has to offer, what the day has to offer, and then I love seeing what that is happening between the two of Look you. At you. Like Thank you. Letting the flow, going with the flow. But Are yeah, edit that out because that's a kind thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like at the end. Not even in a blooper. 
I'm gonna hold Jay. it for future bloopers. Then it'll come back. I'm gonna hold on to that moment. Okay, we're gonna inversion into the next segment, which is what you may have learned in history class, but you also may not have. And because of the nature of today, today we're gonna talk about Arthur Mitchell, who just recently passed on into into ancestry. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was born March twenty seventh, nineteen thirty four, which would make him an Aries, like Jay and myself. Ooh. When's your birthday? My birthday is September seventh. I'm a Virgo. Hi Virgo, but happy belated birthday. Yeah, happy belated. Thank you. It was like two days ago. It was last week. We Wait, you said seventh, not seventeenth. I not don't. Not seventeenth. Yeah. I heard seventeenth. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. <laughs> yes. It was two weeks ago. I don't yeah. know. Ten days. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Less. Mm. Two weeks. All right. Back to Mr. Mitchell. 1981. Years of rooster. Three years. The same year as Beyonce. This is 1981. That's true. <laughs> it is true. Yes. And Mr. Mitchell, we promise you, this is all related to you. Mm-hmm. Everything we just said. Yep. Because you are charismatic and you are a mover, and you were with the New York City Ballet from in the fifties and sixties, and also the founding director of the groundbreaking dance theater of Harlem, he passed away on Wednesday, September nineteenth, in so, Manhattan. Yeah, this That's today. Today. Yeah. Yes, but when people hear it, won't be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Some more about Mr. Mitchell is he was the first black ballet dancer to achieve international stardom. Um, He was one of the most popular dancers in New York City Ballet when he danced um, in that company from 1956 to 1968. And he displayed a dazzling presence, superlative artistry, and powerful sense of self. Um, One beautiful thing that they say that he did and worked on when he was with Dance Theater of Harlem is that they navigated through the complex aesthetic questions about the relationship of black contemporary dancers to the 18th century European art form. So, please rest in power, Mr. Arthur Mitchell. Mr. Archer Miller. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Jay. (laughs) No, I'm really, I think... Who is Archer Miller? Who is Archer Miller? No, um, Arthur Mitchell is really interesting to me for two reasons. One, when I see photos of him, I think of Harry Belafonte. Mm-hmm. They look similar, and also they have that same level, like distinguished gentlemanness. Gentlemanness, mm-hmm. right? Very um, debonair. And what I really appreciated about seeing photos and videos like studying him a little bit in dance history class when we like had our black segment of dance history <clears throat> was his like ability to transpose all of that hatred that came his way into something as revolutionary and groundbreaking as dance theater of harlem mm-hmm. i think one of the for a lot of students in New York City, the ones that I teach, the ones that I teach who have some ballet training, almost all of them have went through DTH for that. And I'm just like, I think that the the legacy of such a space like that is what, for me, like when I think about Aretha passing, Prince, so much of these like figures passing, where it just feels like they just elevated to another status because they're still very much here. And then like mm-hmm. the feeling of like sadness and loss also because I didn't know them personally, um, doesn't, like, wash over me, like, when some people felt when Michael passed, Prince passed, you know, like, when they didn't actually know them, just like, oh, we lost somebody great. I'm like, oh, 
all they all around. The music mm-hmm, is here. Mm-hmm. These buildings are still erect. The legacy, the teachings, the the people who are carrying on values that these people held is this all here. So like, I feel like that is what life can also be. Yeah. Outside of just the breathing and the beating heart. I also feel like when someone passes, and it has been my experience, like if you are close to them or you have some type of, they have an influence on you, yeah. that influence sort of takes over and you can see it more distinguishably when they have passed on. So like yeah. I'll say, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they feel like, it can feel like they're with you in a different way mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I'm kind of carrying this from this person and mm-hmm. even feel more, like closer to that yeah. person because your relationship to them has changed. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's like this, yeah, there's a lot going on. There is. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. I think there's, um, with, I keep trying not to say Archer. I'm so sorry. It's sticking to me. Archer Miller? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Arthur Mitchell's passing and knowing that he's an Aries and Aretha was an Aries. Eek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, and then you're just speaking about like surrender and just like, that is a connection that I'm just going to have to check the stars pretty soon to see, like, what's happening. Because, yeah, there is something moving in, in, uh, right now. Also, I'm thinking about, like, a lot of, I brought this up in the panel we were in, the mm-hmm. idea of mo- emotional labor and how in one specific, like, specific point in time, there's, like, a lot of things circling at one time that will continue to, like, pull from us emotionally. Yeah. And so, like, I'm trying to figure out how can I replenish my emotional tank when I'm giving a lot and offering a lot of yeah labor it's outward yes if that makes any sense yeah my thought was not to that sorry <laughs> no my thought was just because i'm just really coming back to this idea yeah. of like the ways that we are in contact with the people who came before us the ways that we're in contact with our ancestors the ways that there's like electromagnetic field that we know very little about mm-hmm. and the ways that i feel that sort of connection is like um not that I have a sense of fate, but like that there for me there is a sense of like that my ancestors are like the light on my path. They are yes. like that they are they can bring light to the path so that I can see it better mm-hmm. or like know where to go and and feel that. And I often have and this happened especially it was very, very strong after she died, but I was really close with my, my bacha and my grandmother. And it's like I can I can have a conversation with her. Yeah. You know, and I can hear the things that she would say to me and and uh, mm. and I use that a lot when I when I'm making decisions when I need guidance when I need it to sort of be out of my own head and my b- between my own two years it's like well, where do I look for what are the resources that I look for and that's definitely one of them you know yeah. and just mm. remembering that 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 even you know some people think of that as an idea that is like um outside of our physical world but like even saying like hey there is an electromagnetic field that we, we know that that is there is that is happening exactly and there's a lot that we don't actually know about physics and about space and about time and yes um yeah it's, it's i kind of think of it like <laughs> if you think of an insect like mm-hmm. if you have an insect on your arm and you flick the insect off of your arm yeah. the insect doesn't know that you were there and that you flicked it off you know what i mean but it's like but that, like, that insect just cannot sense you, but that doesn't mean that you don't exist, right? Oh, wow. So, like, what is around us that we can't, that we don't sense that is bigger or smaller on scale or just completely in a, in a different realm? Or so. that we're either open to or not. Because I know yeah. I have a lot of dreams about my dad, and we have conversations, and mm-hmm. usually when I wake up, I'm like, okay, what were you trying to tell me? And it usually applies to something that I've 
been doing or like I have a question about mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, we talk a lot in my dreams. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Or I'll see him, or like a, I'll see someone's hand on the train that reminds me of him. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, yeah. what do you want me to pay attention to? Mm -hmm. Or if I mm -hmm. smell him, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. What yeah. do I need to? What do I need to be seeing right now? What yeah. am I not paying attention to? Right. So, I'm like extremely more hyper aware now. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Jay, you had your mouth like wide open. Oh, there's that analogy <coughs> about the bug or the insect <laughs> and like how massive we would be in comparison. And I just kept seeing like infinite ways that that just applies to our lives. Yeah, how mm -hmm. we've just been flicked off of something and don't even realize it because we, yeah. Because we just can't even. <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes, though, doesn't yeah. it? It's like, oh shit, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening this way? Yeah. What is going on? And it's like because we're not actually in control, and there's so many other elements that are yeah. happening that we do not know about. <coughs> this is how I feel about weather all the time, especially like with the hurricanes that are happening. I'm like, and they try to predict them. Like, you have no idea. And they're like, this is the worst in the history. I'm like, yeah, in human mm -hmm, history, mm -hmm, but not in the history right. of this planet. Yeah. Like, stop yeah. being so small about like what is yeah. possible. This yeah. idea that volcanoes are um, high. Like most volcanoes, they're they're not inactive. I feel like a lot of them are just sleeping. They're yeah. taking a break. But they're gonna show you some things. So, so stop saying that some of these are like no longer active volcanoes. That's what you think, mm -hmm. humans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get ready. I definitely feel as if that earthquake that happened in Trinidad have shifted me into this state that I'm in right now. And I just can't find a way to... I don't know if I need... I think the problem is I'm trying to get back. Oh, all right, here we go. It just That just made a lot of sense. Chakras aligned on that. Yeah, trying mm -hmm. to get back? I was trying to get back to who I thought I was before the earthquake. And really the point is to just know that that is not. You anymore. No, There's right. A shift. Mm -hmm. And I have to now be who this person is mm -hmm. and is growing mm -hmm. into. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think that's what's been occupying my time. Just like waking, like I, that whole like going to the gym at five o'clock in the morning thing, that doesn't happen. I'm getting up, I'm waking up and starting my day at like 10. <clears throat> also like we ebb and flow we go through yeah. these different yeah. these mm -hmm. modes of yeah. meeting and being mm -hmm. and existing and so like that's possible but like in a, when you were talking to me about the earthquake it also reminded me of this um dance experience i had where i had a piece where i had two um two dancers who like just kept running into each other and like really mm. just, it was very a lot of physical contact and they really educated me in that moment because they're like melanie that really dislodged something like mm. it opened up something and and like we need mm. to close it, we need to settle it mm. because yes. otherwise, I feel like I'll be going out like as this, as this open wound with all this stuff just like vibrating mm -hmm. and not being taken care of. So I, I thought of that when you were telling me about the earthquake because it will sort of like dislodge some things, and if you um, are not prepared or you don't know how to take, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it's like how do I take care mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. this when I don't even know what this is because I didn't even know that it was there to even be mm -hmm. dislodged. That's mm -hmm. that's exactly it. And it's like at during that time I was purposefully uncovering and like dusting off traumas and retelling stories and looking at these things. So I was like purposefully in this space of what felt like a controlled dislodging. Mm. Right. Okay. And then as with that already, like with the foundations and with some of the like crust that kept me together already weakened by myself, here's another larger force that comes in like now I feel like what would have felt like an artful um, 
dismantling mm-hmm. just came was like and i was all on the floor and i'm just like that wasn't my intent that wasn't my intent so now i'm just looking at the rubble of like there's some new things under there that i'm looking at and i don't want to look at honestly and i keep turning away but it's yeah and i and for a while for a couple weeks i kept saying to you like yeah i think this was the earthquake this was the earthquake and i couldn't really find a reason why it was but i could just tell there there was the most clear difference of how i felt within myself before and after so the earthquake was the only thing and now i'm starting to see more clearly what that did mm-hmm. and it's all like relatively like in terms of how we put values on things good and bad it's all good it's just um also it takes time that's the thing that also is the thing i'm being upset at myself about I'll come back to new york and the place is like super hyper productivity yeah yeah and then I'm just, like, not in that space. Congratulations to you for being able to recognize where you're at and being able to see it, because I think that that is half of it, is just yeah. being able to be, like, truthful and realistic and, like, accept, oh, yeah, this happened and this mm-hmm. is how I feel about it. Yeah. And then I feel like it comes back to the same thing you were talking about earlier, Melanie, about the way that grief affects us and affects our body yeah. in ways that, like, we don't have control over. And it takes a lot to just be like, oh, this is here. I have to acknowledge this. This is real. It takes a lot because we're not trained to do that in a capitalist system and mm-hmm. to be able to pay attention and especially not in New York. Yeah. You know, and it does make me really sad that we don't have more space for that kind of forgiveness and that kind of openness and that kind of attention to change. Yeah. Oh, something shifted in my life and I have to give myself the space in order to be able to to just feel what that change is and reconcile it within myself and accept that it's there. You yes. Know? That yes. is huge. Yes. The recognition of change. Like I used <clears throat> to try to even like schedule in my grief. You know, like, mm. okay, so about, like, Thursday is going to be real rough, so let me just pencil that yeah. in. And it does not happen that way. But even that approach is so, like you say, it's part of this capitalist model. Like, okay, I can only be productive if I'm doing it within this chunk of time, mm-hmm. and then I need to get back. But it's like, now I'm more of, like, living with it, and it'll just be with me mm-hmm. as I... Mm. And it reminds me of when I was a kid, you know, like, when you're crying, but yet you're still doing the thing that you are crying that you didn't want to do. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, I was like, oh, you can cry about it, but you'll still sweep this floor. Yeah. And somehow I made it happen. So I feel like mm. on a on an adult scale, yeah. like that's happening now. Yeah, yeah. I told one of my students who was terrified of like reaching for something. I think like all kinds of goals and aspirations, anything that meant putting forth effort and the possibility that you can be told no was too terrifying for the student to do. So the student was extre- or is extremely talented in like freehand drawing and all almost all illustrations. Just had a not even like an actual sketchbook, but just like a notebook full of just stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to school for this. Just letting you know, like you're about to start your senior year. I need you to get ready to do this. And they're like, oh, I'm just, you know, terrified of applying for school. So what if they tell me no? And I was like, okay, well, let's, this, this is what needs to happen. Your fear is not going to go away in like a short amount of time. There's nothing I can tell you immediately to like dispel your fears. Once we talk through this conversation, the end of this will need to, um, be that you are going to type these applications and cry during it as long as this gets in by yeah. the deadline that's it you can cry and whine and kick and scream the whole way just make sure it actually gets in mm. because you have an undeniable talent like yeah i feel like also fear has a way of pointing to what's very important to you if you actually mm. unpack oh, what yeah. fear Oof. is and what what terrifies <clears throat> you you know yeah mm. and, and again that's tough to face but if you are able to I think there's also some way down the line I found 
a fear within myself and then like a community of people who are similar to that in my life who are afraid of success in the way that it's like success in capitalism or success in like finances where like the life that we perceived being either an artist or being like not mainstream career making Mm -hmm. or career um we're making a lot of money and then we become we are doing well at that and then capitalism says like hey this is marketable and so now in a way you are marketable and then things are coming in there's like a guilt that comes like oh what do i do with this i have i'm able to afford like new shoes and i bought new shoes and i'm like oh no i don't want this it's a fear there of being successful in that capitalist way and also i think there's like a sense of dread of responsibility like now there's a huge mm-hmm. responsibility because mm-hmm. i can for myself i'm like okay now i play the role of what i thought i was dismantling or trying to, or attempting to yeah. you know oh i think about this a lot i yeah. think about this a lot because i spent most of my 20s running from you know being anti-capitalist and, and running away from money and mm-hmm. running away from success and then have spent more time in the last couple of years like just being able to like face some of like oh i live in a capitalist system and this is how i'm going to choose to engage in it mm-hmm. and take a little bit of power back in that yep and um yeah well i forgot what else i was going to say but but uh the ability to like um to take responsibility in it as a way of like inverting its power yeah. as a way of not letting the the success or the money or the capitalism have control over you yeah. you know to be able to say like oh actually like yeah i do have a responsibility in mm-hmm. what my engagements are and they don't have control or power over me and yeah. so i can show up for what i can show up for and what i can't show up for i don't show up for i also yes. feel like it de- it depends also once you get into those situations evaluating your relationship to those things and that like I think once you get there there's a there's like there can be a responsibility to say okay I see how it's easy and there are models for treating being in relationship to capitalism in this way but now that I have these resources and I feel abundant in what I've been given how can I share and distribute in a different way which it feels like for me that sort of thing it takes more work even Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about um I'm having to go into a, a feedback uh, performance soon, and I'm taking a lot of time and energy to be really thoughtful about the question that I'm going to pose to the audience because I know that there's going to be a person there who has a who has a habit of hijacking mm. the uh, conversations often, and he is a um, older white man, and I refuse to let him hijack any more of my talkbacks. Mm. And I was thinking about like, well, you know what? It is so damn easy just to let him do that shit because I've seen it happen five times. So him allowing him to do that has been modeled for me. Yeah. So I have some anxiety now, I realize, going into this weekend of being of trying to be prepared to push against that shit. Yeah. Because that hasn't been modeled for me. Mm. But I know mm. that it's necessary because mm. I've had it. Yeah. Like I'm I'm over it. So it's like yeah. whether it's capitalism or misogyny or mm-hmm. all these different things, like mm-hmm. we it's we get all these models of how to just exist. Yes. So that once we get to a place when we actually are have a different relationship to it mm-hmm. or what we feel or what our power is shifts, yeah. it's like then we have to do some damn work. Which yeah. is, you know. I wonder who um can help you hold that. You know, like who helps you hold not even necessarily, like, I don't know what the, 
the format is of like the talk or the dynamic or but also who helps you hold it like in the terms of like the emotional support mm-hmm. and you know like yes. who do you text before who do you text after also maybe mm-hmm. who's in the room with you who mm-hmm. are you making eye contact with maybe mm-hmm. also who is speaking up so that you're not the only person who has to hold yeah. it for sure that is a lot to hold up it is and I and I do have a, a community which I'm excited about like I know two people who are going to be there and we've actually had conversations about it and then I have a friend who, who no longer lives here but is really good about this type of stuff so like we talked for an hour and a half about so it's like I it's good to because like before and they they also suggested to me like reach out to the venue and say hey I have had this issue with this person Uh so that you can also be aware of it that's Mm -hmm. great but like all of that is so it's a lot of work it is yeah it's a lot of work so I think this is a cool segue into the main topic because we came together do it Today we're already talking. We are. Yeah, we're, we're already talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I just want to name it. Um, yeah, we're already talking about the main topic we came together today for, which is how to advocate for fair pay. Um, and I think right now, since like we're on the advocating part, because advocating for self in and of itself is laborious and requires much unexpectedly. I think the interesting part about this is like a lot of times it's unexpected, because my for myself when I think about um, when I imagine, like, if I were in your scenario, Melanie, about, like, somebody who's on a talkback that occupies a lot of time, in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to shut them down when it happens. You know what I mean? Yes. And then I start to, like, simmer on it, and I realize, like, okay, well, that, I probably need, the chances of that working is very slim, so I need to have some more backup. So I reach out to the venue, get some friends together, talk about this, da 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 And the more that I, like, dig into, like, what is needed for that to be successful, I've done a lot of work. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's, like, unexpected. I wasn't expecting right. that it would take this. Yeah. Um, so I think that in, as we're moving towards um, these conversations being like in the mainstream for certain um, groups of people, and I think more specifically like the millennial generation, the generation that's coming into the workforce next from high school, all of these words of like fair pay, um, they have all these statistics about the way that people, groups of people are marginalized in the workforce. They're ready to like push into these things. Um, I think we have a lot to say about what is working, has worked, and um, like where we are currently at in this in this battle. Maybe it's not really a battle, but in this work for ourselves. Journey. Journey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to stop being so combative with my imagery. <laughs> I'm behind that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I'm th- I'm thinking a lot lately about this idea of like, so emotional labor is something that's talking happening in society we're talking about it finally and i'm thinking a lot about emotional equity yeah i'm thinking about like when i approach a situation with somebody who let's say has more privilege than i am and Mm -hmm. then they're like they're like hey i want you to i want you i'm willing to do the work but i want you to meet me there and Mm. and or i I need you to take risks or i need you to trust me and i'm like whatever the white man that i've worked with you know like so for me there's a whole there's a whole journey that's happened before of the of the kind of emotional labor that I have had to do. And so, like, how do, where is the emotional equity of, like, what permissions do I have in being able to say, like, I can't just meet you Mm -hmm. in the same way that you can meet me because I am emotionally exhausted. Yes. And I have resources that need to be replenished. Mm -hmm. And so I need you to recognize that part of your journey with me towards equity is actually recognizing that those things have happened to me and that gives me, that gives me a buffer for how much it is that I feel that I can be um, emotionally available or vulnerable in a situation as we build together yeah you know there's a lot of variables along with that kind of relationship as well because i have some friends 
where I have that we've we've created a lot of um emotional investment over time so now that these conversations are here you know if I have a white friend who I grew up with in some way these conversations are kind of new for the both of us because we remember growing up in time where these just weren't the conversations that were being had so now I can say like I have investment and I have learned who you are so I can meet you a bit more halfway. Mm -hmm. I can sit mm -hmm. down and have this three-hour conversation with you and kind of like show you all the ways in your perspective is supporting this thing that we want to dismantle together. But when you are new, working, collaborating, partner, friend, work thing, art thing, it's like I can't, That that's at least one major variable for me is like my proximity to you. Hmm. Mine's actually, I'm having a, a sort of a different um, experience in that I have a, a friend like I'm close to who I realize I'm starting to recognize all of the labor that I've put in mm. and trying not to be resentful and also wanting to um, provide a lot of space for them to do the work themselves and part of that is not and I don't want to say you need to do the work like because even me having to say that is too much work for me right now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's just like I it's, it's interesting because I'm out. like yeah <laughs> I'm like there's these like these behaviors yeah. that I'm sort of doing and I know they probably think that I'm I'm being short or cold or get what, out whatever, right <laughs> when I when that thing about like trying not to be resentful because I have such a mm. thing around that because it's like I can try not to be resentful but then I'm still going to feel resentful anyways and then I'm going to feel bad about feeling resentful yeah. you know what I mean yeah. feel icky about having that icky feeling yeah. and that to me is always a sign like whatever it is I need to get out of it I need to figure out what the way and it's it, you know it's not to say that it's like a boundary that doesn't move or there's only one way to get out but there is there is always for me okay as soon as I start to feel resentful what is the next action that I need to take to move that resentment somewhere else yeah. right okay. because for me trying not to be resentful okay. is like such a yeah. it's it's like a, I almost said a battle it is like this this like uphill climb that feels impossible because almost because yeah. it feels like when I get to that place of resentment I almost don't even have control over mm -hmm. it, right? Because I'm already in a situation that feels so stacked that I'm going to have an emotional response yeah. that I can't always be in control of. And I have to go back into asking, okay, what actions can I take? What is it that I need here? But would you say, too, that there's a lot of energy that has to go into your exit strategy? Um, like if you're going to get out? Yeah, I think there is. But I think that um, when I do it, I try to remember, like, how do I... How am I connecting back to like my central? The best way I can say it is like my spine, or like how how am I connecting back to like my my center or my core as a way that services both this other person, this relationship, this thing that is happening, as well as servicing me, and that helps with the the labor that comes with the getting out. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's like how in what way is this also restoration mm. and keeping that as as centered. Just restoration that's, that's going to be my word and my passion planner next week thank nice. you hmm. Hmm. you can find it go and get it and jay are you looking for a transition no or a way of pulling back no. not pulling back that's not what i mean well i had the worst imagery when i thought of pull back and that's because <laughs> i have terrible friends in group chats yeah I have, I think I want to ask a question. I, wa I wanted that to just like have its space also. But um, 
I'm interested in knowing what scenarios or like examples of advocating for fair pay <clears throat> were did you think of or were a part of or heard of? Um, because one that sticks out to me, and I don't think we have to like necessarily talk about it more, but um, one that sticks out for me is when working with friends and working with somebody that you like, um, your initial relationship to one another wasn't to talk about money. Mm-hmm. So then this, this work comes up that involves money. Um, and how do you like advocate for yourself when the person you're advocating for yourself, like in defense or defending yourself from in a way is somebody you would consider a comrade, a real friend. Why are you defending yourself? I think the defense is like when you're talking about contracts and agreements, you know, provisions of just as simple, like if I don't get paid on time, how am I able to like make sure that I get compensated or how do I have this conversation with you about mm-hmm. being compensated? Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it comes to like, yeah, like I said, not getting paid on time. There's one check I have that just is three months going on four months late now. Oof. Yeah. 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 I, I'm really strict about how I communicate. Mm. I think that's part of the Virgo in me, yeah. which is like, I have two separate email addresses. And if I'm, if so, if I was going to work with a friend, personal emails will go from my personal, e- they are all linked to my same Gmail account. Yeah. But there's something for me about the distinction of like, here is when I'm going to write talking about getting together with you. And here is where I'm going to write talking about getting a check from you. Yeah. And that for me helps me distinguish because I also use a different tone mm. when I'm, you know, and so it's like, um, it's easier than to just cut to a professional tone mm-hmm. and and say like oh this is the date that I expected to be paid yeah. by and I need to be paid now you yeah. know yeah. so that then that also preserves my personal relationship with that person because yeah. it's a separate thing yeah. so but one of the things that when I think about I don't know I I don't know what fair pay means mm. that came up for me when when I was like I don't know what fair pay means because we don't know. There's so much that we don't know about each other's histories, mm-hmm. um, about class privilege that you cannot yeah. see from looking at the outside of a person. Um, and so for me, it's like, uh, and also like the way that we decipher what labor is worthy of being paid and what labor is not worthy, mm-hmm. you know, like the labor of the body. I mean, as dancers, like working in dance, like the labor of the body is not respected in the society, right? Yeah. And so this idea of, like, what is fair is almost, like, doesn't exist for me. Mm-hmm. It's about, like, what services do I offer what, and what do I, what do I need in order to sustain, sustain, sustain myself? Or yeah. what do I it, – it feels very um, – it's not that I just want to say it's personal, but it's, like, we have to dissect it a little bit and dissect it a little bit because we don't, we can't really tell yeah. what is fair. Yeah. I, f- I feel like, okay, so I'm going to try to go on this journey and it might seem like a tangent, but hopefully you guys can help me wrap it back around. Mm-hmm. And that I do feel it is very personal and that when you think about, so like every relationship, there is a transaction, whether it's emotional, um, you know, monetary, whatever. And not to say that obviously money is real, because we need it to pay bills yep. and stuff, but it's so also not real. It's imagine it's yep. made up. Yep. It was made yep. up and printed. So like so, even if we just understand the bare like go back to the basics that money is not even real, yep. but that it's a, it's something that we um, 
that we recognize as a form of transaction. Mm -hmm. So for me, when you when I think about this idea of fair pay, like I have, I work with this um, amazing group of people who every time we get to a project, it's like, okay, so this is the budget for this project. So I could be doing the same task for project A as project B, but I get less on project B because the budget is smaller. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that the work value is less mm -hmm, but it's mm -hmm. like we actually continue to have a conversation about and it, it feels extremely equitable and like a community because we're um we're always having a conversation about like okay we're doing this this labor yep. for this thing and here's the here's the money we have and then it's all it's often like well well melanie this is what we have this is what we can offer yep. how do you feel about yep. that and i could be like just give me a little bit more and i can give you like this much more um labor toward it if not i'll give you this much and that and that'll still be valuable yeah and I understand, but it's, there's a lot of transparency. Yes, yes. that is so important. And that, that transparency too. and that communication is so important. So, Dude. like you, this idea of fair pay, it's like I can do the same job, and one somebody, one person's able to offer me ten thousand, and someone else is able to give me like five hundred. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I'm less valuable right. in the doing. Right. It's just we're having to move around this imaginary construct. I think, I mean, so that imaginary construct, right, was invented in order to control people. Right? Yeah. It's invented and capitalism and racism is built upon that, right? There's all these ways that it's used to control. And I think about how, you know, money is so loaded, obviously, because right now that's what we use in order to sustain ourselves. That's what most of us use in order to feed ourselves. Most of us do not grow our own food or raise our own livestock, right? And so... It ends up being so loaded, but if I can sort of, like, uh, look at it from the perspective of, like, I offer services to the world. I offer services to the world all the time that I do not get paid for, that I don't even think yeah. about getting paid for because they're just, like, right? Yeah. And then I, offer, I also offer services that I do get paid for. And then if I can think about how the money... If I can trust that my sustenance is going to flow in, like if I can trust whatever it is, power greater than myself, yeah. my ancestors, whoever it is, is watching out for me and I'm going to be taken care of, then it it unloads some of the, like the um, my discomfort around money, some of the like social taboo around money. So it makes it easier actually for me to negotiate and talk about. It's because then I'm not... I'm trusting that, okay, I know I'm, I'm trusting that my rent is going to get paid. I'm yeah. trusting that food is getting on the table. Yeah. I know these things are going to happen for me. I know the universe has my back on this, Sweet. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that if I then I can trust it, then when I walk into those conversations, I don't have to feel like I'm trying to claw someone at the neck. Yeah. And instead I can say, this is what this is what I feel that I deserve for this service. Yeah. Or yeah. this is what I need for, for giving the service. Yeah. And it's almost like I offer the service and then... Yeah, whether whether I get paid for it or not is like I do negotiations around that and I take actions around that and then part of that is left to not to me. Yeah, and that's a terrible way to say it because I don't want to say that like people shouldn't be obviously advocating and negotiating because we should be, but I think that this obsession that we have to like get money and we have to do it and we have oh, to do yeah. it is a, is like it puts us in this hunger mm -hmm. that when we can actually trust that we're going to be taken care of, it takes some of the hunger away and then yeah. we can be like, I got this because I'm still yeah. going to eat and I'm still going to eat and there are some situations that I'm like I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that yeah. situation. I'm not dealing with that white guy at that top mm -hmm. back unless I know I'm going to get X amount of money. Right. You know? I, I have. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I want to just briefly go back to something that I was supposed to do 900 years ago. So the directional, these mics are really directional. Oh. And they require a little bit more proximity to them. Oh. 
Um, and also the moment you step to the side, it sounds like you're far away. Yeah. Um, I meant to do that a long time ago. I think it'll be fine. You're fine. But there was just like a moment that you were over here. And I was Got like, it. oh, that's going to be hard to edit. Thank cool. That, that brings me to something you mentioned a while ago okay. about working on a project. Um, and the rate for the project not being... They're, they were asking for amount of, a certain amount of labor for a rate that just wasn't comparable. So you'd negotiate and say, well, I'm actually going to give you this amount of labor, less labor. I'm going to take down the amount of hours I'm going to invest in this project versus... Well, after you, it sounded like after you asked for a higher pay, it was an option. You're like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to get less, less of. I think that was like a genius thing that blew my mind. Like, oh, right. I think some of the things that advocating for fair pay or adequate pay a lot of times means that if we get shot down with the no then we must do the same amount of work for that same low amount of pay and we have no control over it and it sounds like the control really is like i'm just going to actually give you less labor yeah absolutely and also going back to something uh, alicia you said about um this hunger that Mm -hmm. like needing money has like actually um turned down a project that i would actually like i would really have benefited from like financially because and my reason was like y- you all are not giving me the time to do this job in an efficient way and in a way that really respects what the project is asking of me and because you haven't given me that time and we're like pushing up against some re- other things I'm gonna have to remove myself which also means like for me it's like I'm not getting those dollars mm-hmm. yeah. but then but for some reason I still have this this hope that um, that will come from something else that 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 sort of resource will come from something else, meaning like mm-hmm. because I had to say no to this thing, that that means I'm saying yes to something else. Mm-hmm. And I will say right now, <laughs> I don't know what that yes is, yeah. but then I feel I feel it sort of yeah. it's bubbling around me. And I think that's also what's happening right now in this in this space of like there's something moving, and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I can't name it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we have to say no. We yeah. have to say no to things in order to make space for other things to come in. You know, and that is so hard in New York because everyone's like, what are you doing? So what are you up to? When's your next show? And I, re- I remember actually before I started dancing a lot, I took a year off. I had been like applying for residencies and doing a bunch of stuff and like things weren't working out. And I took a year off and I was like, you know, I'm going to take a year just to work on infrastructure. And mm-hmm. that for me is like, for me means, get, you know, having regular income, you know, feeling good in an apartment. Like there were just some things mm-hmm. that I felt like I really wanted. Ugh. And when I took that year off, when I would run into people and they'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm focusing on this. Yeah. This is the thing that I'm doing. As opposed to being like, I'm not working or I'm not yeah. dancing, I'm not creating or I'm not, you know. And then what that did was I actually took a year and a half was like organically how it happened. And then my, and then my life exploded, Yeah. you know. And it was just because it was like, I had to really make the space and and set the structures in place mm-hmm. in order and i think that that's like a cyclical thing right like i'm looking towards like at the end of this year doing that again mm-hmm. like it's time mm-hmm. for me to do that mm-hmm. again it's regeneration the, the yeah. restoration mm-hmm. you know that we're talking about yeah also so. it sounds like yeah, yeah like how there, there are these moments where we need to recognize that we need to root we need to start like you say mm-hmm. restoring and then like and and cultivating our soil yeah and yeah. and because if we don't then we're just like we we'll keep pulling yeah. from this like unreplenished yeah. place yeah and depleted yeah. place. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the same. It's the fallow field, right? The fallow field. You you harvest the crops and then you let the field lie fallow because you have to let the soil mm-hmm. regenerate itself, and then your crops will be more beneficial. Yeah, and it, it's such yeah. a hard thing to do. Um, yeah, because it's like, well, I already said it around the like the obsession in New York about like what you're working on and what it is that you're doing. I think. So, we, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it, was some, it was something else about what you said. I was definitely thinking about um, the the response to those questions. Like, what are you doing? What are you up to? What's next? Um, and how I'm, I'm starting to, like, build up responses to it that acknowledges, like, I know what you're asking for, but I'm actually going to give you a different different response that feels more applicable to what I'm actually doing versus talking like you're asking what's next. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. shows, performance, art. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what's next? Can be I'm going to step out of this door and take the C train home. Or what's next is I'm actually going to clean my, I need to clean my room. I need to like excavate those things. Mm. And it's similar to like, I feel like that's the next stage of when people were asking like, how are you doing? And for myself, it was always cool, great. Everything's great. Like I would never give something of a like, or I just never would be honest. And then choosing to be very, very honest and hyper clear about what state I was in, it it felt like it did more for others than it did for me at the time because hmm. it allowed them to, like, respond similarly. So, the, how are you doing? I was like, oh, today was a really, like, difficult day. I had a migraine this morning, X, Y, Z. They're like, oh, wow, I had a similar day or my day was like that yesterday was like this and I'm still having the effects of this. I'm like, oh, now we had a literal check-in with one another, mm-hmm. an actual one, just by taking the lead on it versus... Um, doing that because I think similarly they might have the same pressure on them of like I'm asking this question because I think you want me to respond in this way mm-hmm. when we can just like understand that there's a larger force here that mm-hmm. we don't have to play into this is making me think about change again this is like mm-hmm. drawing me back to this idea of like being able to hold change and appreciate change both in ourselves and in each other mm-hmm. I, like for me personally right now I'm in a transition which is that I'm sort of leaving I'm leaving dance like mm. is that is kind of how I've said no to everything yeah this week I'm actually teaching um, my role in a, in a show that's getting remounted again mm. in October that I did for five years that I'm like I'm teaching Whoa. Yeah. this role and it's it's a role that I developed that yeah. I made and it's it's very emotional to be sort of like letting go of it and then also like looking at like all the things that happened in my life when I started to make it and yeah. now that you know moving on and um I am doing some theater work, which is uh, goes back to some of my training, but really what I want to be doing is working on music. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like teaching myself how to use Ableton Live, and I'm teaching myself how to play piano, I'm taking yeah. voice lessons. And, and what I feel in the music is that I have the same creative inspiration that I used to have towards making choreography. I don't have that towards choreography and movement yeah. in the same way but I, but I have it in in music and I don't have the tools in the way mm. that I had tools in making choreography so it's like running up against this feeling of impulse without knowing how to live it out and I'm recognizing that the next probably two to three years you know it could be longer could be shorter yeah. will really be about the transition of me being able to find what that creative flow is that I know and put it into a new form mm. right to put it into a new form and so I've been trying to prepare myself as well as give myself like the flexibility and and the space to be like yeah this next two years is going to be hard because I won't be able when people ask me what are you doing and what are Mm. you up to I won't necessarily be able to answer that in the same way you know because it's really it's really a space of transition a space of change knowing that it's headed towards a different vision um but but it's not productive in the same way that yeah. we think of the arts as productive. Exactly. But it is, to me, is extremely productive what you're saying because you're in this um, this incubation space of, of curiosity that is necessary for any form that you want to be in and also understanding that where you're create like you as an artist isn't sh- isn't disappearing, it's shifting right. and how exciting that is because I think, um, you know, when I moved here, I got to a point where actually I wasn't, like I haven't been to a dance class in like, 
years. Right. And I still like question that and I feel sometimes bad about that, but I'm like, it does not serve me in the same way mm-hmm. that it wants. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It actually sucks my soul away yeah. Yeah. and I don't like those spaces. And yet I still want to like learn movement. And so I'm trying to sort of shift and rethink about how, how that can look. Like maybe it's just asking someone to come into a rehearsal and like, you know, share work with me, share movement with me, or have a musician come in and just like talk to me about like how they're seeing sound and just reimagining how that mm. can sort of populate my body. Mm-hmm. But I feel like what you what you mentioned is still very productive, and it's it's a beautiful production that we don't people don't often value, mm-hmm. but it's so necessary because you know how a lot of folks are. Like, it's like they don't want to hear about the process; they just want to see the product. Right. Mm. Right. But usually, where we get our fuel is in that process yeah. Yeah. of the learning yeah. mm. and yeah, the discovery. Thank you for saying that. Thank yeah, you for saying mm-hmm. that. definitely. I really want to be able to go to dance class again and just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I just really want to be able to go to and, and enjoy it and like not have it hurt. Like that's mm, really I see. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, even and even being in a moment where, um, you know, like you have you all been in a situation where you know you need to change and you know you need, but you can't. You don't know what that other thing is, and so mm-hmm. you just keep yeah. dealing. Yeah. It's like, um, not the abuse, but it was just like, I, I there was a moment where, like, for months I kept going, mm-hmm. thinking it was something wrong with me, and that mm. it would shift if I just, like, maybe it's the time of day. Maybe it's the, yeah. what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Let me wear red. Mm-hmm. T- and, and I was like, it actually is none of those mm-hmm. things. Like, get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It comes back to what you were saying earlier, too, about saying no, about being able to say no. And that's, I think, what I was going to say in that moment is, Saying no to a project, saying no to whatever it is, and trusting that the next thing is going to flow in in the way that it needs to, you know? Mm. Yeah. Right now, I th- like, with both of those things, I feel as if, like, so saying no to going to a dance class is really where I'm at right now. Like, I'm just not, and I have time, but I'm just like, nope, not going to a dance class today. Lowest, like, one of the lowest things on the list of what I would like to do today. And... I have this fear that like I'm losing information from my yes, body. Like, yes, I have that same fear. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, how does that like me not going to dance class means like I'm like a leaky balloon, and the longer I stay out of dance class, the more water and air just like seeps out. I'm still in the in the fear too, so I have I have no yeah. answer for that, but I, right. I feel that also. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and so I'm trying to like even right now listening to this, I'm like telling myself and recalling these memories is like the time spent using my body in any way is informative period like that's it i'm moving i'm using my body i'm not um completely like bedridden so there's no mental atrophy i'm still in rehearsal doing things you know what i mean so like there's information growing Mm -hmm. and also i'm exploring ideas so it's I know this this is a shared fear amongst many dance artists. It's like the time spent outside of a dance class or outside of rehearsals is time um, where you are just losing information and material from your body. And it's not that. There's no depletion. Um, And then also there's like that fear of like now it's been too long. What am I going to do? Like I've been away for too long. That's the other thing. Um, Saying no to things right now feels like in my life, like, the the best thing to do is to just continually <laughs> say no um, initially to everything um, just as a way to allow for the space. Similarly, we were talking about, like, over-planning um, or over-booking things in a week to say, like, oh, it's going to distract me from these feelings. Like, if I continue to say no and leave the space open, then maybe some of the stuff that um, 
that was shaken up can now occupy that space mm-hmm. and be mm-hmm. seen. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the value. I think that would be the value versus um, saying no to something and, and allowing for something else to like immediately or soon, quickly occupy that space. I have this very impatient, sometimes I have a very impatient way of being like, no, I'm saying no to everything, right? And so fortunately, I was I was doing a work, a work session with a friend in a coffee shop, and I, I was like, look at this email, I'm getting ready to say no. And mm. they're a person who always says yes. Mm. And I was like, I'm still going to say no, but I'm going to be more explicit as to why I'm saying no. Yeah. And when I did that with them, with the email, they emailed me back, I'm like, actually, well, we can accommodate that. And mm-hmm. so I was able to uh-huh. shift some yeah. time yeah. around it. And I was like, oh, I'm glad it wasn't, I didn't do a hard no. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have not been a hard no had my friend not been there. Yeah. So that was a really great learning moment mm-hmm. of being like, oh, okay. Even when I have these no's, mm-hmm. like, how, like, maybe sit with it a little bit mm-hmm. and understand mm-hmm. clearly why it is a no. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. I mean, that also comes down, like, thinking about negotiating the fair pay thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like knowing what your bottom line is or know, yeah, knowing like what you can sustain or what you can't sustain. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about when I was, when I asked for a raise once and I was like, it was very clear that the situation that I was, that I was in, the working situation I was in was not going to get better. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to have to deal with these, like this like shitty rehearsal situation what it is what is it that I need to ask for and Mm -hmm. I was like I need to ask for x amount of dollars and I asked for x amount of dollars knowing that I was willing to go down Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the amount Mm -hmm. I I was willing to negotiate but I started and the answer that I got was like no actually like we're not able to do that and um there was a raise that was being offered but it was being offered to everybody who had been Mm. doing the the work and um, some of those people had been doing the work for six months. I'd been doing the work for almost six years. So I was like, cool, my, my loyalty is not valued here. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a good reason for me to go. Yeah. And it felt so clear because it, once I got clear about that, about like what it is that I needed, it was much easier to just be like, Oh, I don't have to have resentful feelings about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a big emotional response. It's just mm-hmm. like, this doesn't work for me where we are at. just does not meet up the needs that I have in this process and yeah. the needs that you have, doesn't doesn't work anymore yeah that's i feel like that what comes with that is this idea of knowing what tools you do have to negotiate when you're thinking about Uh, that you know like uh, whether it's time whether it's resources um you know like for me sometimes it's like oh okay well you have you're having six meetings i'm only going to come to three Mm -hmm. so you know like just know or like for you one of the negotiating things was like oh well then i actually i'm going to leave like that Mm -hmm. I will no longer be a part of this process. Uh, so I think that's really important too of knowing yeah. how to negotiate. Another thing that's coming up for me with like the transparency part of like working with <clears throat> working with other people, dance company, collective, workplace, being very transparent about like what pay is being exchanged among things. So like asking some folks about um I see like if I'm coming in as a uh, a junior member about uh, in the time of doing something asking folks like so what is the pay for this like what was the pay when you came in at this time like am i getting that similar pay boom mm-hmm. and then also mm-hmm. taking the lead as someone who's more of a senior in the space and saying this is the rate i'm getting paid for this work that you're either also doing or you um are stepping into so one of the things i loved in online was this um woman on instagram named museum mammy museum mammy 
um, a role that she was taking over at the Met, the person who was leaving that role was very clear with her about what the rate was that he had mm -hmm. coming in mm -hmm. so that she knew going into the interview, like this was the baseline that you were working with for somebody who I'm going to step into. So if I get below that, I know you're trying to shortchange me. Mm -hmm. And that person also let the board who was like interviewing her know that he told her what that rate was. Mm -hmm. So both parties mm -hmm. are very aware of what that rate is coming in and they still offered her lower, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Of course, like that's like the, one of the, like things you probably wouldn't expect. I'm like, whoa, I thought this would work. But I think what's great about what this person did was like, I'm going out, this is what the rate was so no one can like shortchange you. So what can we do for others in the workspace or in similar places? Yes, transparency, but like in, in tools of how. Mm. So yeah, like you said, asking around. Mm -hmm. How, can you say how, like what was the question? I like think how? it's like how, how to advocate for others. For each other. Yeah, I think for each other, yeah. really, outside of self. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I generally do is I just let people know what rate I'm getting for almost any job that I have. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it falls out of my mouth, similar to, like, when someone asks me, or someone says, like, oh, yeah, I like your parents. I'm like, great, I got them for only even $17. Like, <laughs> oh, that's a really good job. <laughs> yes, I'm $25 an hour, six days a week. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or 13 hours well, a week. Well, I think it comes also back to this idea of, like, taking some of the charge out of it, mm -hmm. right? Of, like, we have to, we have so much, like, social hang-up about talking about money. Yes. Understandably why, because it's part of what feeds us right now as humans. But it's if we take that charge out of it, it just becomes easier to talk about it. So yes. then it is easier to say, I need to make $25 an hour or mm -hmm. whatever it is, you mm -hmm. know? So. Yeah. And that's hard for me. That has been, that has been um, historically hard for me to be able to feel that I am valuable and that I am worth it. And I have worked and I have a support network of people mm -hmm. that I can reach out to mm -hmm. so that when I do make decisions or have to do things around that, that I, that I don't feel alone. Like coming back to the, yeah. like, well, what are your supports and where are you not alone? And, um, oh, what else was I going to say about that? I don't know. This allergy has got my brain thin tonight. Mm. <laughs> I would say too, and not in a necessarily like call out cultural way. Um, I'm kind of thinking about um, nonprofits right now and how they sort of function in sort of um, negotiations of pay. And it's, it's public knowledge. Mm -hmm. But one thing that has become to my attention is new for me and it's not new for other people. They've seen this happen a lot. It's like I've been in a situation where, you know, I was doing three jobs and then when I leave, they hired three people to do the things that I was doing. Mm. And so... Um, and so then it makes you think about like, okay, so then you have three new people who, or another another institution that hires interns mm -hmm. a lot, and and then you know there's hires like, them as in pays their interns. No, not hires the interns, but hires the interns to then take over positions. You know how like in yeah. nonprofits, uh -huh, like the uh -huh. turnover yeah. is pretty. Yeah. yeah. And they expect that they expect these all to be like entry level jobs. We're gonna pay you little money and. It's, it's a stepping stone. So it's interesting to sort of see this model play out because I'm seeing it now in a lot of different institutions. Mm -hmm. And so then, like, you know, people are getting younger and younger. Yeah. And, like, the, the, the uh, experience isn't always there. Yeah. The tools aren't always there. And then, like, how do you – I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just – I don't. that came up for me when you were saying mm -hmm. um, this idea about transparency mm -hmm. and and seeing people get paid little to nothing. And yeah. How are we? How are we gonna? How are we? What is our relationship to that? And how we are continuing to support 
those particular structures of existing in the art world. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the things I've been saying, and this is kind of like a back end entry to the great. You Jay. better do it. This is like a back end entry to um, this conversation that you brought up. Is that for like dance and art? Um, nonprofits, institutions that offer services like residencies and fellowships and things like that, and you have a staff that is supposed to manage these things. Um, as an artist in residence, as a fellow, I, and I, I begin to ask those folks, like, who is supporting you in supporting me, essentially? Like, what does this team look like? What labor does it really take for you to do this? And a lot of times it feels as if there's more on their on their plate to do what feels like their job to keep the institute afloat, their job for what the community might need when they come through, and then their job to like manage this art services program fellowship residency. And I started to think, I was like, well, maybe these institutions just need to offer less residencies and less fellowships, or these things are less weighted uh, because the folks who need to manage all of this, it's a lot on their plate, and then everybody kind of loses because the artists are mm-hmm. losing opportunities that the fellowship is supposed to offer because no one's there to facilitate that, right? So I'm like, okay, maybe we offer less. And then I know that the argument outside of that is like, well, now there's less opportunities in the world, so the competition rises. So it's like this this loop of um, frustration that goes into that. And I think it's all because we're still working within capitalism right there to where... I think a lot of institutions like that have um, have budgets for paying folks, but that budget doesn't ever include like growth. So yeah. rarely. So the thing is like, so then how? What's a different way of strategizing that budget? And I think one of the first things I want to say is like offer less services, but yeah, I would. That would be like a, a long, long, long conversation because yeah. I'm thinking like because like you're saying it's. It's like you have one person, one human who's like responsible for um, providing and hosting like ten artists or something. Yeah. And it's like, who? Why is that even a reasonable expectation mm-hmm. yeah. for one person to do? And this person may also be like twenty three and like yeah. trying to figure their own shit out. Yeah. It's like, you know, like you're saying, what are we really offering? And I wish there was a way to provide them the support that they need, and yes. then also continue to provide services. But then that could just be a matter of us rethinking what services look like. Yes. Yes. yes that's what I was mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What I was thinking about is like, it doesn't, doesn't ne- necessarily have to look like less services, but thinking about like, what is sustainability and how do we create it? And what are, what are, what are we have, what do we have the capacity for? Yes. You know, and that is an important. And also like, it's, it's, it's like a, it's constant. It's not like a, it, capacity changes. It can change from every mm-hmm. day. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It changes every day. It's like, what is the conversation around capacity and resources yeah. that need to be had? Because one person does leave and then the intern comes and fills that position. And then that position suddenly doesn't have the expertise of the person who was yes. there before. And that taxes someone else's job yeah. who then has to offer more. And, and then yeah. I also started seeing like outsourcing. This is in the sense of like, one institution I saw go from this this person supporting the artist in residence was on staff to intern to this is a secondary position or secondary um, role to your position to um, now we're just going to bring in somebody who's not even affiliated fully with this organization, but we're going to offer them something like studio hours or like a stipend. Ugh. Yeah. So now this person like, 
you know, can't really answer a lot of the questions that the artists who are residents need to have answered about the institution that they're working with. So now there's like a middleman mm -hmm. because it's cheaper. Right. See, this makes me also go think about uh, humanity and how how are we respecting each other's in that like um, there's a lot of uh, behavior of treating individuals as if they're disposable mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it's okay if this 20 year old burns out because there was another 20 year old yeah. yep. but it's right. like right. if we are to invest in these 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 people and want them to still continue to be a part of a, of a space in an industry that we want to grow and, right. and be sustainable and thrive it's like we can't have this disposable mentality mm -hmm. with how we are treating mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. that's so important for people who like listen to this who are like directors and producers mm -hmm. and choreographers mm -hmm. to think about and then it's so important for the young people people who are listening to know that like to still be able to stand for what you be believe in or for yeah. what you know that it is that you need like yeah. in order to say no yeah you know mm -hmm. but there's mm -hmm. like the two ways of that street of like everybody sort of working on that together mm -hmm. right and uh, that makes me think too there's also agency in like a young person who's like looking at like okay i know this in these like institutions are like this i'll get these skills from this place mm -hmm. but then i'm gonna have to go over yeah. here yeah. to get some yeah. other skills but so like maybe they're also navigating it in a, in a smarter way i feel like than maybe the generation before that you know what i mean because i feel like some of us are products of of the system taking like becoming the thing as we're in it yeah. and then there are those who can come a little after and see it already sort of in place yeah. and and use it to their advantage because like for instance like being on being one of the people that's you know at the beginning of a technology you're the one that's having to work out all the kinks yeah. but then that generation that comes after it they're using it in a whole beautifully innovative way because yeah. you know they yeah. have a different mm -hmm. learning curve. Exactly. Yeah, I think I really um, want to start start talking to some folks who are moving to New York City, or graduating. Like, people do that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Because yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I'll even say I had that sort of, I had not a leg up, but I had a different sort of idea of moving here. Like, I moved here after grad school, mm -hmm. so like I had a, a completely different trade to sort of bring into to support and sustain mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. yeah. that wasn't yeah. performance. Yeah. Um, and that was strategic, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that is one of the things about this whole, like, negotiating fair pay thing, is that, like, dance in the United States is not mm -hmm. well-funded. It no. just is not. The arts in general, we do mm -hmm. not value that in this society. And so, like, just even this idea, like, for me, you know, I have negotiated pay in, in the arts and felt good about the amount that I'm making, but it's also not as much as I make in my other job yeah. and in my other skills. And that is how, for me, I have my A job, which is mm -hmm. the vision job, and mm -hmm. then you have your B job, which is your B grateful job, mm -hmm. right? My B grateful job is, like, helps me pay the bills, and I know has a consistent, it was part of setting up the infrastructure, right? Yeah. has that consistency to support me. And then that means also for my A jobs that I can, I have a little more room, I have mm -hmm. more wiggle room in how I negotiate because I can say, how does this project serve me? In what ways do I believe in this project? What are the things that I'm willing to take more or less pay for? Yep. You know, mm -hmm. and I don't, and my sustenance doesn't have to strive on that because I have, have your my B, B job, grateful job. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's sort of was my sort of strategy too. Mm. Yeah. Oh. There's other things that I'm thinking about that I don't even know what my question is, but right now I'm. I'm working on a project as an associate director with a theater group, and um, we are—we've sort of been b working together on building like a 
an accountability structure mm-hmm. and like figuring out how to our work does not specifically address issues of equity accessibility accountability and so we've been talking about well if we are making this work together how do we want to address those things as we make the work together yeah and so one of the things that's coming up for us is that we usually work on a smaller scale of like a smaller group of collaborators or cast members and then we have in our shows these this extended group of cast members and one of the things that just came up last week when we were on tour was like we the institution it wasn't negotiated through our producer that the institution pay those people Mm. and so those people were given like festival passes so they were able to see different shows um but we had a whole long conversation this morning and we're going to have another one in in next week about what that means for us and how are we engaging how are we yeah how are we engaging in a system of equity how are we being accountable to the decisions that we're making um i'm thinking about that a lot and um yeah, big thoughts around that. I yeah. mean, I have big thoughts around that because specifically um, what happened in the city that we were working in, in, you know, like when we worked in New York, we were able to pay the people that we were working with that were part of our extended cast. But when we mounted it in this other city, the people that had the availability um, were privileged people from mm-hmm. like privileged, um, you know, class and race backgrounds. And it just sort of became it became this default um, that was like, it is important for us to be thinking about as art makers, um, who is represented on stage Mm -hmm. in that um, believing that all people should feel that they can be authentically seen and heard and represented in the arts, right? But if we're gonna do that, then how, what are the equitable structures that we need to support what that Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? so I've been thinking a lot about that yeah. and just like what are the ways that we engage equity? Like this, we have an upcoming tour and our producer is now negotiating whether or not those people can be paid or what money can be available to them. But then what are the ways that we are negotiating other forms of equity or other forms of engagement that give back? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because to also because I'm thinking too, it's like because then as you guys are continuing to have conversation, does it become a matter of okay, well, I can afford to accept x amount less if that means that you pay two people this. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 That's great. Like you know what yeah. dif- what can it what can a negotiation net look like yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting. One of the emails that we got from someone who participated. Because we work, you know, we had to go in, we had to work really quickly. <clears throat> and so we just uh, said to people, you know, the, the way that we work is really quickly, there's a lot to do, there's a lot to learn. We realized that that really prioritizes, uh, like, that kind of working with, like, efficiency and time yeah. really can allow, like, ableism and white supremacy to be what's most... For sure. ...what's most present in the room, and we want to be able both to do this show and also be able to process that and take time for that. And um, someone wrote back who participated in the cast and was like, the fact that you guys said that and talked about it and then it was on the table and accessible to us made it so much more worth it to be a part of the process. Mm. So it was, you know, they said it was one of the healthiest rehearsal processes that we were part of. And so 
Yeah. And so that that itself feels like a form of equity yeah. of like yes we have to we have to break these structures yeah. in the rehearsal room yeah. mm-hmm. and that itself is a way of like making the arts more accessible. Yeah, I I definitely agree, especially when it comes to, um, I've been using it as like a emo- I've been saying this phrase like emotional collateral, in the sense of like, um, the things that I think are valuable inside of rehearsal that are just somewhat invaluable. Like you can't pay pay for those things, and I will continue to be in the space with you, mm-hmm. without pay or with a low pay because of those things. Mm-hmm. Learning mm-hmm. things. I mean, like literally, like an actual exchange of ideas and growth can happen. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. This brings me back to this idea of fear because I feel like the transparency of this idea of like letting people know that you guys are grappling with these things. Like there, there had to be a moment where someone was like, "Ooh, do we want to do that? Like, that this might not be good to let people know that we're thinking about this. Let's actually just keep doing what we've been doing because it, it's been working." But the fact that you guys pushed through that fear, you pushed through that reservation to just be like, "Oh no, we're gonna put this on the table." Mm-hmm. Again, that's some of the work, and that's a lot of like, that is a lot of work that has to happen and, and we have to start unpacking because like, mm-hmm. that made me think of, of this you know feedback thing that I'm doing and one of the things my collaborator and I are doing is we're making, we're like, it's something simple, like we're going to have paper available for those folks who don't process mm-hmm. work instantly mm-hmm. and want to just speak it out loud mm-hmm. and so we're going to give our email address. It's like, mm-hmm. let's, let's actually, you know, respect all these different ways of of sort of witnessing and then sharing back because I do feel like a lot in these talk back sessions they prioritize this very vocal white supremacist mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. of articulating how articulate are you yeah exactly yeah. Uh, and, and how well can you say it yeah right and how quickly can you yeah. say it in yeah. a yes. short um, because like you just processed it really, really fast because that, you know what I mean? Like, there's Or because you live with a life with a lot of privilege and so yeah. you're not having to na- na- navigate like this whole historical emotional landscape about how you're trying to comment or think about or ask a question. Yeah. Or be in the you room. Absolutely. Ro- yeah, just being in the room. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, we, are, we really do have to start putting a lens to the stuff that we... Um, how we're engaging in our work because it's not I don't feel like it's just enough to be like our work is about this stuff but it's like how is that showing up in the practices yeah. of the process yeah. of creating yeah. Yeah, the yeah, thing yeah, yeah. as well right. yeah right. And I that, just, that feels so important it is I just had a conversation today because um, I'm on a panel looking at like work submissions and I saw a work that made me go why are we still doing this and I when I said this like with a friend in the room they're like doing what and they thought I meant why are we still making this work? And I was like, no, my, so we spent a long time talking about how, you know, someone make, someone making this work, um, needs to be valued as well. And I was like, that's great. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, why are we still programming this work? Because I, like, I was looking at, it's like, I know I'm going to say no to this, but I know I'm still going to make it into the program. And it's a work that doesn't require the same, well, it's, it's a white woman doing work that's about the body and centering the body without having to be concerned about the policies of the body. And then they brought up the black art. They brought up you, Melanie, and said that you were doing the same work. And I was like, no, uh, not doing the same work because you have to, like, a black woman has to, is always aware you of... You fucking already, kidding me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately different, like, just... Yeah. So that, okay. Just, like, standing in a space as a black body to in performance. Which is, is, which, a, is, which is so 
fucking okay you can add this out too so <laughs> fucking dumb for him to say because even the beginning of my work was about black nudity and white motherfucking spaces and how I have if I were to show up in that way how I have to consider all this uh-huh, stuff uh-huh. even to be in that way it sounds like his lens is developing mm-hmm <laughs> Like That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> it's happening in that lens. Yeah. Because it's, it's, Im- it's impossible to talk about that kind of work in the same kind of way. They're, it's impossible. It just, yeah. yeah. And I was like, no. and, I, and I was trying hard not to check out of the conversation because when I heard that, I was like, okay, so just, I just, so like, yeah, it we're, was, a, we're a different place. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I, you know, I, little, 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 coming back to your thing about being able to talk about stuff really explicitly. One of the things that we're doing in this company is that we took some of our administrative funds to make sure that everyone is going to get trained in the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond. Mm -hmm. And part of that was that I did this training with this woman, Erica Burnaby, who's Mm -hmm. Sandra Burnaby's daughter, who's... Mm -hmm. She sort of grew up in the PSOB model, the anti-racist organizing model, and she does this thing, Equity and Results, um, which is about building an accountability model mm-hmm. that is anti-racist, mm-hmm. you know, and so that you can, and so that's one of the things that we're doing in this theater group that I'm working in, and you and you really, her, her first thing is like, first you get everybody into a PSOB training, because you can't actually, like regardless of the person's racial background, you can't actually have an explicit conversation until you have some sort of shared language and yes. analysis. Amen. Yes. I'm actually dealing with some pushback on that, right? Not pushback, but like, yeah, I definitely, I 100% agree. Thank you for that. It's so true. Because even if you're not then at the same point of analysis, there is at least a dialogue that has started and Mm -hmm. a language that has started with which you can begin to talk about it. Yeah. And and one of the hugest things I get frustrated with when having these conversations with my many different, like, um, communities I work within is that every space and person within those spaces interpret these words differently. Mm -hmm. So then we're spending time of us like deciphering what we mean by when we say this word. Here's my Mm -hmm. definition of this word. Here's your definition of this word. And and I'm like, oh, if we had the, like you said, same training, we have the shared language. Mm -hmm. But also you're doing it too. Mm -hmm. When you're doing that, when you're looking at each of those Mm -hmm. words and talking about it, you're doing that work to to find out what the language is. And that's important as well. Yeah. Doesn't just have to happen through a training. Good, yeah. Yes, that the only. Even though it's really frustrating, it can be very. I was gonna say because like, (laughs) while it doesn't have to happen during training, I would prefer it does, so I can sit back. So that those people have to pay the money, so Mm -hmm. they get. It's so true. Like I've recently been in a situation where there's a there was a situation that was, um, you know, unfortunate on a racial like thing, and there was someone who basically negated a black woman's experience as not valid and saying like that microaggressions didn't exist. And um, even us, and trying to explain to this person, like, so your proximity to whiteness is going to keep you from seeing these microaggressions. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Just do the training. And there's a lot mm. of pushback. Like, I don't really need it. I'm good. No, actually, do. and it's funny because mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that comes out of their mouth, like, ever since then, I'm like, and that is another reason why you need to do it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you are just perpetuating. Yeah the same thing and again emotional labor of like how much work and how much labor am I going to put into dealing with this and when am I going to just say you know what I'm going to let someone else talk to you like because I'm not the one like I can't I Mm -hmm. I refuse to do that work it's it's just so much much. and it is a dance I feel like it is a dance of like that there are days that I am able to do more Mm -hmm. work and days Mm -hmm. and I just have to be real with myself about like whoa today I just have to sit with my anger and I Mm -hmm. have to let that be okay I have to nurture that anger and love it and hold that that baby you know and let it do what it needs to do 
there are other days when I'm like, oh, I need to express this anger. <laughs> I need yes. to I need to let these people know why I feel this way mm. yes. and what's happening for me. There are days when I'm yeah, it's just um and that like you were you were saying that earlier, Melanie, about how exhausting that can be. And I think it's uh, partly because we don't value it as much. Mm-hmm. We don't value that like actually doing doing that work and going through that dance is like what incredible growth that we get from right. that. You know, or even it can feel ugly and not sexy. I think yes, and it's also because of all those things you just said, not recognizing mm. the tools that are necessary mm. to replenish because the thing is can be draining and exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And so finding then, like there's a, on the panel that we were just recently on, the, the gentleman said something about artists are really good at reflecting self sacrifice, but how can we model what was it self love or mm. self compassion? Yeah. 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 Which you know is not as um, modeled, yeah, or not as exciting or exhilarating as an art piece, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. yeah, it's not it's not as exhilarating as watching someone set themselves on fire to give light and warmth, mm-hmm. and I'm like I when I realize that that is a high when I just like the way that modern society has decided to consume the artist is like it's value like it's weird like like visual art values go up when the artist dies like that right there shows that like there's a price tag on your death at a certain point as an artist the price tag on that so how to resist that and like no i refuse to set myself on fire to give y'all light and warmth Mm -hmm. like i'm going to create a light and warmth that i can Mm -hmm. share with you Mm -hmm. and i know it may be smaller and less exciting but this is what i have to offer hope you value it Mm -hmm. I think yeah, I think it's yes, and you will value it. And this here's how. <laughs> um, here's some. Here's some. Here's a list. You yeah. can pick one. Yeah. Start there. Yeah. Suggested um, acceptances. Mm-hmm. Um, we we should wrap up because um, I think we have until nine thirty or fifteen minutes left. So we want to do the last section. See. What. Yes. Okay. I thought you were smiling for something else. Oh, I, I said C is in yes. C as in like the letter, the third letter in the alphabet. No, C as in like. <laughs> oh C no no. Okay, so um, we are going to get into our um, last segments. One, our announcements. So, um, I think it would be appropriate for us to kick off this section, Melody, by thanking. So we want to give a shout out to Jack and also the Center for the Humanities for inviting us to be on the pot on the podcast for <laughs> allowing uh, for inviting us to be on the panel for Solidarity Economy and the Performing Arts. What reparations got to do with it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that happened and it was live streamed, so I'm sure yeah. it'll be available somewhere in the world um, yeah. soon, if not now. Um, so thank you guys for inviting us. Also, thank you. I met a couple listeners who showed up. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, look, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, as well as the listener who showed up to that and also met me at um, Judson because I ran out of there to meet, make Judson. I was like, oh, Steph, you're here too. Nice. Like, look at this. You were me, basically. We're like, come on, we got to go. Okay. <laughs> but, hey, y'all, do you have any announcements of what you have coming up? I know it's that thing that we just talked about, but it could. we can respond in kind. Yeah, I have... Um I'm working on a new show with this group, mm-hmm. um, and 
we're sort of in the process, like I said, of developing this community accountability model slash structure so people can start to look at equity and accessibility in their work. And we hope at some point to re release some kind of like, just these are the, some of the things that we did in the rehearsal room that other people yeah. could use. Um, but we have a show coming up um, that will make its New York premiere at BAM December 13th through 15th. Yes. And it's called Nervous System. Um, and then I'm also touring a show called After with that same group of people. And that one's sort of about human consciousness, um, afterlives, hmm. uh, transfer of consciousness. And that is happening. It already happened in New York, but it was happening for anybody who is in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I think the week of October 22nd, part of On the Boards. Nice. So, and then also the, the Nervous System Project is having some development showing slash performances at BARD. Um, I think that's the second week of October and uh, MIT in, I think, the second week of November. Yes. So I have a website. Yes, okay. Alicia O's. Mm -hmm. Last name is OHS.com. Nice. Um, question. Do you have links for those pieces of uh, those showings and those dates? If so. I can. You want okay. me to send them to you? That'd be great. Yes. Great. Um, and so we can put them in the description box wherever people are listening. Sweet. As well as, are you are you open to, sorry, if you are open to being connected with on social media, would you like to show your, share your social media handles? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. What are they? Oh. <laughs> I was like, I was, I, sorry, I was contemplating. I was like, how did Jake go from asking the question to saying if you are if you are open, what yes, are they? Yes, yes, yes. Got it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. There's so many things in my head. Um. Yeah, I'm Alicia underscore A O A Y O on my Instagram. Yes. So you can also look for Alicia A O O's on Facebook. Dope. Hey. Dope, dope. Um. All right, so we have an announcement from one of our previous guests on the podcast. Our Friends to the show, our loved ones, Orlando, Ricar Orlando and Ricardo of Behood slash Brotherhood Dance. Am I saying that right? <laughs> okay. Um, for previous guests on the podcast and friends to the show, my brothers, Orlando Hunter Jr. and Ricardo Valentine of Brotherhood Dance. They have a platform called B, nope, just Hoodworks. The next Hood Works is coming out on, not, nope, the next Hood Works is going to be presented on October 4th, Thursday, um, at Basquiat's Bottle in bed -Stuy. Right now, they're looking for submissions, so, Be Hood Dance, or Brotherhood Dance is looking for artists of color to present their work in a safe space that recognizes their artistry and humanity through a non-white gaze. Next month, Jamal Barnes Vusic Dance will be our MC. This is a note from Brotherhood Dance. Please send an email of interest to behood.dance at gmail.com that's the letter B H O O D as in David dot dance at gmail.com they look forward to seeing you next month I did uh, I went to one um, what was it in September it was really great the platform is amazing the bar is dope um, I'll probably be showing something on October 4th they do this every um, first Thursday of the month doors open at 6 p.m. and um, show starts at 7 goes to about 9 so I'm going to leave out the information for this in the show notes wherever you're listening and um, definitely check them out and also connect with Brotherhood Dance. They're going to, they, we need to get them back on the podcast. That's yes. Just, they just need to get them back in the studio. Um, Melanie, do you have any announcements for what you're doing? This is coming out next Tuesday. No. <laughs> yes. 
not at the time of the no, release. Yeah. Um, same. I I just I, I guess I want to announce that I am. I am uh, dealing and holding on to. Or allowing depression to be held right now, but I'm okay. I think that is. I feel like that's that's what announcement's calling. It feels like an altar call right now. Like mm-hmm. I just want to like share my testimony. Yeah. Um, we will hold that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so let's wrap her up with the finishing the statement. My dance union has. Um, do you have a burning one, Melanie? No, but I I will um. I will come if called. <laughs> so this is not going to be very thought. I mean, I just, okay, my dance union has a tote bag. That's where I'm at right now. Oh, that is so cute, though. Like merchandise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Ayo, do you have one? I do. My, Because I, I was thinking about it yeah, yeah. prior to this. But my dance union has, um, or is, is a place where people like recognize their inhale, inherent value yeah. outside mm. of, the structures of capitalism and racism. Yes. Um, whoop, whoop, whoop. And in addition to that, are then able to manifest what it is they need. Yes. And then in put it in my to tote bag? And <laughs> in order to be thriving, not just surviving. And yeah. then have some cute tote bags. Yes. Um, my dance union has a accessible Excel spreadsheet list of resources for many things i love the way that you just put accessible and excel together in one sentence yeah. <laughs> does oh, it get transitioned to a database yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> but the, <laughs> there's a few excel spreadsheets i'm i'm as the, as the dance student expands in 2019 2020 i'm thinking um excel spreadsheets are are a thing because excel spreadsheets especially google docs can be shared as well so I'm thinking, like, just build a f- build a structure, build a build a um, way of relating to this Excel spreadsheet, and it can kind of like feed itself with mm-hmm. enough involvement. So I'm like, I want to try that model out in the next coming years, specifically under the dance union. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of many there's many reasons for mm-hmm. Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. as a person who loves Excel spreadsheets. Okay, so thank you for listening to another episode of the Dance Union Podcast. Yes, thank you all. Yes, um, you are obviously listening, but just in case you are listening on one platform and didn't know about other platforms, you can listen to the Dance Union on SoundCloud, Apple Music, slash um, Apple Podcasts, slash iTunes. Um, especially if you have like an Apple device, you can check the little purple thing. That's where your podcasts are at. Or you can swipe on over to the left in the search bar type in podcast and it's on your phone and we're also on google play music uh you can follow us and stay engaged with us on social media instagram um at the dance union facebook you can search the dance union and also you can email us and um send us any questions suggestions thoughts concerns um at the dance union podcast at gmail.com that's t-h-e d-a-n-c-e U-N-I-O-U-N podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. That's just a long well done. It is. email. And it's like, I feel like I'm in first grade again doing the spelling and being like, okay, whale, W-H-A-L-E. I lost the second grade spelling bee. 
because to wail to wail because because it, it could have been w a i l and that's a, no that's not the one i used i used um w e l l cuz they again i mean the english language is so challenging i used to get out at the very beginning cuz i didn't want to do it i like anything that someone like said you have to do this i'm like oh really yeah. it's funny i don't even remember them but i think it's probably cuz i blocked i right. just like blocked them out they'd be yeah. like like they say something simple like spell block and i'd be like a r <laughs> Now, can I sit down? Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> this is why I got a C in gym. Because oh I was like, God. you don't tell I me. That. I love that. But there's something so beautiful about that, about, like, subverting that whole system when yeah. you do that. You know? You're just really subverting it. And you're like, yeah, I don't believe in your system, and this is how I'm going to deal with it. And I'm out. Thanks. Yeah. So good. So good. I love it. Okay, so we're going to do one collective we out. It doesn't have to be exuberant. It could just be we out. Okay. We're good. Five, six, seven, eight. We, we are. Living my best life. Going back to the <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I said it because.